This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I've never had a social media like pay my bills one time. Welcome to another Elk Shape podcast extravaganza with me, Dan, the fitness man, stating what's up, y'all. Today we are going to be sitting down with a really cool dude that I've known a long while and uh, he's from Oregon. He lives in the Northwest but he travels the world and he films so many hunts and edits and he's an entrepreneur, hardworking guy. I'll explain more about him but first I want to let you guys know that you know this podcast is driven by people that help me uh, with equipment, gear, financially and without them wouldn't be possible Hoyt Archery. I've been shooting a Hoyt bow since 2007. I started bow hunting in 2001, made the switch, have never looked back. I'm rocking the RX-1. It's carbon, it's light, it's dependable, and I beat these bows up and they stand strong. I think it's uh, worth your while to take a look at the new bow this year and check it out. I always put uh, custom strings on all my bows, so Podium Archer is a local company out of Spokane Valley, Washington, and they will take your bow if you want to ship it to them. They'll tune it and put custom strings on it that do not stretch. And if you're like me, you don't want to sit there and have to tune your bow every couple of weeks or every 500 arrows. I put a lot of arrows through my bows, so been rocking those for a couple years. I used to be a winner's choice guy, but they sold, and I just think the quality went down when they went to a bigger company. Back when they were made out of Oregon, they were pretty amazing, but I'm really happy to be working with Custom String Builder here in Spokane Valley, Washington. That's Podium Archer out of uh, Spokane Valley, Washington, and that's Spokane Valley Archery. You can look them up. And Easton Arrows, I've been rocking the FMJs, and I don't think there's a better arrow out there for elk, and I just think that when it comes to your spine, your stiffness, hard-hitting, penetration, and just durability out of the, you know, Every time you buy six or a dozen arrows, I always buy shafts and build my arrows. In fact, we're going to be doing an arrow build video 2.0, and I'm going to write an article on how I build arrows. 
and I'm not like the most technical guy, but I can tell you that I do like building my own arrows and I'll show you, I've done it for so long that I probably know some stuff that maybe you might learn a thing or two, but on those arrows, I always put a, a boning wrap and blazer two inches with a three degree offset. I don't want a major offset. I don't, I don't think uh, my arrow, my setup needs a ton of, you know, drag. And so obviously the more helical, the more spin, the more drag. And uh, I just don't shoot a huge, nasty, big broadhead. I shoot a Grim Reaper Micro Hades 3-blade, and that thing flies terrific. I want to thank Kenetrek Boots because they have a sweet offer for all you listeners out there. If you're looking to get a good, solid pair of boots out of Montana, actually they're made in Italy, but the company's in Montana. If you use the uh, code word ELKSHAPE at checkout, you get a free pair of gators. End of story there. Sika Gear. Uh, I met one of the founders of Sika Gear in 2007 when I filmed Jonathan on his first whitetail hunt in Kansas, and we hit it off ever since. I've been wearing Sika Gear, and uh, the Subalpine, honestly, is awesome, and it sucks at the same time because I have all this old Optifade that's pretty good stuff, but when you wear the Subalpine where I hunt for elk, it's just a game changer. Obviously, the quality of gear, clothing into gear, it should make sense. We got Vortex Optics stepping up. Man, those guys have always been good to me. I think they're some of the most affordable glass in the industry with literally the best unmatched VIP warranty where, hey, if you break your binos, if you they burn, if they get damaged, scratched, whatever, you just send them in and they'll get them taken care of. No hassle. And that's pretty amazing. XO Mountain Gear, those boys in Boise, Idaho, making packs that are killing it. I'm rocking the 3500 or a 5500 with the K2 frame. And then um, this year I'm, I'm going with Felp Game Calls again and excited about their new backcountry tube, which is not out yet. It'll be out in July, late July. And those will probably sell out, so be ready for that. Everywhere you hunt, you better have Onyx Maps downloaded to your phone. That's another article I'm going to be doing soon on how to use Onyx Maps in the backcountry or an out-of-state hunt how to scout from your desktop and put in waypoints, points of interest, uh, which layers to use, how to download it to your phone, make sure you have enough memory. And you can just run your phone on airplane mode and you'll have plenty of battery and they have topo and they have regular map and aerial. So it's just, uh, I've been a game changer for me. You can also share where waypoints, but you know, there's no way in hell I'm sharing any of my waypoints. Um, Montana Black Gold Sites, um, they don't really sponsor me, but that's just the site that I've been rocking. And then, of course, Mountain Ops to re refuel all my workouts and help me recover. Thanks for listening to that. Let's get into the show. Without further ado, Grady Rawls. All right. Welcome to Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan. Thanks, Graham. And this is Grady, Slim Grady Rawls. Well, Grady, you are a dude I've known a long time. And I feel like I know the real Grady, who just salt of the earth dude that I would hang out with any day. Just a good old boy from the Northwest, living um, straight up out of Joseph, Oregon. And I'm not sure when I met you. Maybe it was at a full draw film tour. I can't remember. I think it might have been Colorado. I don't know. Colorado. Was it? Okay, cool, cool. But, but I've loved you ever since. And you're totally quirky and crazy and unpredictable and unapologetic all those things are great adjectives so man thanks for coming on i know you're in new zealand right now yeah well thanks for having me it is 2 a.m here in new zealand and 
one of the things we've been priding ourselves on since we got here is we wanted to pop out a video a day. And, uh, that was something that's been on our heart to just, you know, do something cinematic. And it, it wasn't to hate on anybody else or anything, but we are, uh, we're seeing the trend here that it, that production value doesn't matter as much. It's more just pumping out the quantity. You know, we see different groups doing 50 days or, uh, or stuff like that with a lot of the vlog setting, jump cuts, bad audio, stuff like that. And, you know, that's just not what I believe in. I believe in high quality, edited together stories, sequences on sequences, wide, medium, tight. And so we came out here and we said, you know, we don't have any sponsors giving us money. We don't have anybody telling us what to do and we're going to do what we want. And so we're doing a video a day. So JR has not slept tonight and he said he's about done with uh, a video from the last client. So you're right. I think we did meet uh, 2012 out there in Fort Collins, Colorado and, uh, same with me, man. You've always been someone that uh, I wanted to be around and uh, wanted to spend more time. And you were nice enough to bring me out to your bear camp a few years ago, and uh, the rest is kind of history. Yeah, dude. So let's go back to what you just were saying. I am. I mean, you came out swinging right there, and uh, I like that when you're passionate about what you're doing, and you can just say it, hey. I feel like we're going to do this a video a day and I feel like we can do it justice. We can do it better. And obviously it's not going to come with an easy price tag. You're going to make some sacrifices, but let's, let's circle back to how the hell you got to New Zealand, how long you've been there and what you guys are doing. I have New Zealand's foreign to me and I'll be honest with you. I'm so like Johnny blue collar that when I think of New Zealand and I see like people with their stags i'm just like oh cool you probably shot that i know there's public land there but when i see the big dog stags i'm like oh cool you probably shot that in a 10 acre pen like explain what's going on and educate me so i don't sound too ignorant well i'm glad you say that not the ignorant part but just what you said there because it's so true someone thinks of new zealand they think of behind wire and uh, and then they think of a hundred acre paddock where you're walking out smoking a stag right there inside the gate driving over and throw them on the polaris Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons that i do come out here with the outfitter that i work with is uh new zealand horn antler safaris has a six thousand acre mountain plot for their high fence but the main thing that you touched on that calls me here is the public lands uh I don't know the percentage, but there is pretty much the over 50% of the South Island has never seen the boot of a man. It is impassable and as wild as it gets. And so, yeah, you, now when someone says something about New Zealand to me, I think of the huge uh, tussock tops and uh, rock pillar tops of New Zealand that hold these Himalayan bull tar and the and the chamois that is wild and free land. Um, so I got out here by shooting a TV show uh, three years ago and then made friends with the outfitter and he said, uh, you know, next year are you willing to trade for my hunts for your uh, promo for my business and i said sure so last year i came out and 
I've uh, I did the whole package tar chamois in the wildlands. I did a behind wire uh, stag and and um, everything that he had to offer. But you know what really calls me now is something that we're going to do next year, which is a walk in stag hunt in the wild during the roar and uh to walk into the jungle and to go as far as our legs will take us and and go after these animals when they're rutting out it it is a wild and amazing place here no doubt about it okay there you go so you are in june it's june 1st where you're at it's may 31st so you're like almost 20 hours ahead yeah 19 hours ahead changing the future before you see it I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to talk about your background a little bit. So you did you, you grew up in Joseph, Oregon, which I have been to, and you're right there by Wallowa Lake, and you're right there in the Eagle Caps, which it's just really ugly area. No one should ever go there. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, it is God's country. Uh, we are surrounded by the Eagle Cap wilderness on one side and Hell's Canyon recreational on the other with the zoom wall prairie holding down the uh, east side there uh yeah i mean it doesn't get more rugged than that we go from ten thousand feet of the eagle cap peaks down to a thousand feet of snake river in one county that's the size of vermont but has a population of eight thousand <laughs> i think that it's something around the lines of eighty percent of uh, Oregon's tags are in the county that I live in. So um, we we have the prime, um, I'm not afraid to say it, like you said, yeah, nobody go there, but I dare you to withstand the whole winter and uh, not go crazy. So um, it is a place that's growing, but it also is a small town with uh, no stoplights and an abundance of outdoor activities to take part in. That's cool. So you grew up in a family. How, how big is your family you grew up in, and what was that like? How'd you get into hunting? And I know you played some baseball. You're an athlete. Yeah. You have really big buff legs, and you have. <laughs> and so to That's give me hilarious. a little bit of athletic background on you, and really how yeah. you grew up. No worries. Yeah, my dad. Uh, my folks are. My mom's born and raised Eastern Oregon. My dad's from Huntington, Oregon, which I'd still classify as Eastern Oregon. Three older sisters. That's where I get my soft, sappy side that I always seem to show pretty easily. And then, yeah, I grew up only caring about a few things, and that was pretty much sports and girls. And, and uh, yeah, just that was what my life was around was sports. And then my senior year, I exploded my ankle, blood on the court and everything, and basketball. And that kind of took my route that – I kind of started pursuing the outdoors more. I went away for the conventional stuff and really uh, I'd always loved the outdoors, but I kind of, it just pushed me in a new direction. And uh, I think you hit it on the head that I'm from a small town that uh, kind of instilled toughness and the outdoors in me, but you know, growing up, I was a rifle hunter, and then when I started filming hunts, I kind of learned that I was just out taking my rifle for a walk, and I started learning from guys that had killed, that were killers, and I learned, I learned the tricks of the trade, and, and doing so, I started hunting with my camera, 
And uh, since then, I, you know, I don't know how many hunts I've done, but it has just been a wild adventure of living through the lens. Okay, man. So when I first met you in Colorado, you were you were working for Outback Outdoors with Trevin uh, yep. Stolsis. Is that how you say his last yep. name? And yep. um, Dave Barano. And, Dave Baronio oh, and Adam Wells. And Adam there. Wells. All really good human beings. And then you transitioned from there. Did you go solo after that? Yeah, I can kind of give you a background. Graduated from Oregon State 2008, and then I went out to Las Vegas, and I started shooting weddings and uh, working at a golf course, and that's kind of where I learned on the detachable lens camera. And then you're right, I was editing uh, independent films for the Full Draw Film Tour and just dabbling in the outdoor world. I I did a wolf documentary in my hometown that kind of got some traction. And you're right, Trevin swooped me up from a full draw event. And he kind of said, what do you think about taking us from web to TV? They run season four. I edited season four with Trevin. And then I moved on to television with him. And yeah, I did a year and a half in television without back outdoors. But it only took about that long for me to um, learn about myself that I wanted to be free and I wanted to work with multiple groups. And so, yes, I, I went freelance in uh, 2012, 2013 and uh, put her all on a credit card and started my business just like that. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history. I've since then just kind of taken anything that came at me and uh just tried to do my best really yeah definitely i think you do amazing work i think i will obviously provide lots of links on the show notes of all some cool stuff um you've filmed a lot of hunting shows name name drop a few that you've done name drop yeah uh you know Outback Outdoors, where I started, and after that, I was real fortunate. Willie Schmidt over at Pier Hunting, he, one of the best guys you ever meet. He kind of hooked me up with some gigs and then started working with a group out of Colorado, True Sight Media, and that's where I uh, landed the gig, to, the gig to do the director of photography on the new show called Shed Wars. And so I spent the next 90 days straight in, I think, 2015 filming a new controversial show called Shed Wars. And we made a lot of people pretty angry. They thought that we were uh, giving away spots, making this uh, shed hunting a bigger deal than people wanted it to be. And then I'd moved on from there and I've worked with gals like Christy Titus, Christy Lee Cook, um, got to be in the field with Benny Spies and, you know, yourself and Santino and and some names that are still holding uh, cornerstones in this industry. But uh, one thing that I've learned is um, the world is small and the outdoor world is even smaller. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't take me long to learn that. Um, So when you went in for business for yourself, which takes a set of big balls, and by the way, your username for Skype is... What is it? Balls? Yeah, Balls 007 or 007. Thank you for that. On which account you get me on, but I thought you were Ryan to- I thought you were joking when I said, "Hey, send me your username." And 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 I was like, "Balls 007." Okay, but you do obviously have a pair. You went out on your own. Any regrets going out on your own? And what have you learned business-wise, Grady? 
what have I learned business-wise? Well, an entrepreneur will work 100 hours a week so we don't have to work 40. I know that much. And so um, I've learned that good people are hard to find. And uh, if you can find them, you got to hold on to them. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. I get to most days wake up every day and make the calls and do what I love to do and and have passion for. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what I have learned. I've learned that we have to stay loyal to ourselves. That's the big thing and real with ourselves. I think this day and age there's a a lot of comparing and wanting to be someone else and being real can trump almost anything and uh if we'll just get up and be real with ourselves and uh really be honest we can grow and i just see um not to to bring any negative light right now in the morning but it just feels like there's a lot of uh not being real with themselves mentality and comparing to each other instead of uh, building people up. And, and I know for myself that has been a frustration is it just seems like in this outdoor world, no one wants to see anybody else succeed. And man, I'm out there all the time on the social medias. Good job, mate. And you know, you guys are killing it. And, 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 uh, a lot of times it didn't feel like it was coming back around. And that was kind of one of the things about doing a video a day. It was just like it can be done in high quality. And one thing that JR and I say to each other is expect more. Expect more out of your video. Expect more out of your content. Let's not just flip the cell phone on us all the time. Let's, uh, let's work on building some cool content. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole rabbit hole that we could go down about why the industry yeah. sucks. And I, I'm i tempted to go down that hole. I mean, I, I would love to sit here and maybe even talk a little shit, but um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to. What I am going to talk about, though, is what you said. 100 hours a week so you don't have to work 40 slash finding good people that are gold is nearly impossible and when you do trying to hold on to them so you have a, some guys working for you how have you found the right team how are you building the right team and how are you steering the ship grady as a leader you know one thing that i've learned is that i am in the business of teaching people to take my job that has been something that I did my first school, I think, in 2012, 2013. And it's one of my passions inside my heart is to see people grow and especially to help people learn cinematography, photography. So, you know, what I can probably count on two hands just in my hometown of people that I brought under my wing and taught them things. And instead of them wanting to stick it out underneath me and have the bookings and everything go through me, as entrepreneurs do, they move on to think they can do it themselves. Well, it, they can for a while, it seems, but it, it is hard for a lot of people to do the 100 hours a week for every week on end and to keep booking. So, 
what I have done is uh, through the school that I do is I've uh, I hired a guy from my hometown that <clears throat> he's loyal as the day is long. And what he did is he took the knowledge that I had given him and let that just be the little gas on his fire. And then he went into YouTube and uh, all the places that there's knowledge out there. And he started building his own brain without me. And since then, he's gained skills that are beyond me in, in some things. And and uh, hopefully I'm not rabbit holing too bad on this. But all I'm saying is it's, uh, it is hard to find loyal people. But when you do, you got to have open communication to hold on to them. And, and we've all heard it, communication's king. And, and it's so, I've had in the last year, more knockdown, drag out, honest conversations with JR and Kyle and tears, blood, blood, sweat, and tears to get to where we're at. But it's because we have real man-to-man conversations that we've gone to the next level. And, and I think as a leader, I, I have, uh, I've gone into a new place, but it's also um, it also has made me realize how full of shit a lot of people are, and, uh, and then then I just can't resist not to troll after that. <laughs> are you world class troll guy? I wish I was trolled as much as I troll people. That's for sure. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, at least you're honest about it, man. So, well, you mentioned your film school. Maybe not everybody knows about it. I have a good friend, Tyler Denham, who just recently went to your film school before you took off. Um, And, man, he came back a different guy. I was like, because you're talking a guy who would just kind of shoot and shoot on auto. And uh, he came back and started talking with me. And, And I'm pretty amateur. Uh, I'm pretty raw. I'm probably the guy you hate. I just put up stuff. But uh, he came back and started talking like an editor, like a videographer. So I was, uh, this guy's a firefighter, man. I was like, what are you talking about? He was talking about presets and he was talking about Adobe Premiere and he was talking about shortcuts. And, and then he started telling me about his, your school and how he went and got no sleep. You worked him to the bone and he had to uh, basically make a film after you guys lectured and, and you had to edit it from top to bottom. And uh, he just got the real experience and he said it was gold. So tell us about your film school, man. Yeah, I mean, you just gave me goosebumps, and I'm not kidding. I just have a ton of passion for people that have drive and passion, and and I don't think there is a better guy in the world than Tyler Denham. Uh, He is one of the nicest guys that I've ever met, and I remember when I met him at your camp. So, yeah, the film school, man, it is a uh, a special. What what I always call it is it's a spirit based thing. I I uh, I'm a spiritual guy. I I pray all the time and and I sit with the Lord and I let Him push me. And what I mean is going into these schools, everyone's different, and I always have to be willing to to uh, meet. I'm I am in a people bur- uh, business, a, uh, what they call it, a service industry, where I have to be able to relate to anybody. And that's what the school is to me. Uh, it's something, like I said, I've been doing since 2012. But when anybody comes to my school, um, they not only 
get the camera skills, the production skills, but a lot of times I'm I'm opening Pandora's box into life skills a lot of times and I've gone through trials and tribulations in my life where I just had to kind of start falling back on certain sayings and certain foundational things like feed my faith, not my fear, you know, fear is a liar and just, uh, you know, the fundamentals of shutter speed, aperture, ISO, and that's what this school is all about. It's about laying down foundation that you can always fall back on. And uh, if you can come into the school with an open mind, you're right. There's no sleep. This the school is an intense situation where I'm going to take you from zero to 100 from the 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 fine from the first get go, and and it is all hands on except for the first morning, pretty much where I. Um, I do stand up for the first three or four hours and go over what we're gonna what we're gonna cover during the school, and then not only that, uh, how we're gonna get to the final destination, which is like you said, thirty second commercial, like we were doing it for a company gear reviews, a cinematic film, uh, product photos, and so on. And it's something that literally changes people. And, and what always happens, like I said, I'm in the business of making people take my own job, as I can name on my hand, Brian Call, uh, people like that have come through the school, and they've blown up afterwards. And it's not from what I've given them. They've taken their passion and that foundation that I'm talking about and ran with it, and it wouldn't have happened without that. But this school just seems to do something to people and that's where I said it is spirit-based. It is not me. It is the big cheese upstairs that uh, helps me uh, get there. So it's something that I absolutely love doing. And personally, everybody that attends, I've got JR that's attended multiple, lives are changed at every school. Yeah, definitely. So how long is the school? Is it is it a Friday through Sunday type gig? Yeah, so... Every school, you show up on Wednesday at some point. Uh, we usually kick off Wednesday night with some pizza and beer or whatever we do, and then we kick off Thursday morning, and they leave on Sunday. Uh, so it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal. And uh, one thing I prided myself on is there's a couple other schools out there that charge three to 5000 and I set my mark at $1,000. I wanted to keep it there. I know the knowledge is worth much, much more than that, but that it's not a money grab, cash grab situation for me. I give, I trade at each one of my schools for the lodging. I have a deal with an outfitter in my hometown who does all my food prep for my food. Um, I am always working with companies like Sitka Gear, who at the last school gave four complete setups for guys. So that's probably around $5,000 in retail gear. Um, so I have some great, you know, if we dare say partners that help me out, they make it cool. And then I, uh, and, and also, you know, like the one in Sun River, 
we're staying in a five-star vacation rental where I'm giving over $10,000 in lodging for my school. And what we provide is a 30-second commercial and product photos for them. So, you know, my passion and heart is to keep it affordable for anybody, but giving them knowledge that is over the top compared to other schools. Yeah, definitely. It's a game changer. And uh, your passion is just over flowing i love that man be passionate about something and just work your ass off towards it keep your head down every once in a while come up for a little air i think you know you mentioned your faith keeps you whole and keeps you keeps you grounded that's pretty cool uh how long have you been just a man of faith and and Hmm. and how did that happen Hmm. well i didn't know that i was coming into anything like this but you know i've i believed in the lord for a long time we can I always at my school, I actually will not say as much as I have already said when it comes to <clears throat> the the Lord and stuff like that. I always use the term the higher power. It's something that comes from Alcohols Anonymous that you believe in whatever you want. It can be a, a coffee cup on the, on the dashboard here, or it can be um, more Jesus if we go that far. But you know, believe in something or believe in nothing. That's what I say. And, and, you know, when I was like 22, 23 years old, I did, I had a huge turn of events in my life that, um, I had no control of. I, all of a sudden I dove into the, the land of the spirit and, uh, I was changed. My heart got changed. My mind got changed. And, uh, all the things they say about, that's one of the things that I always tell people is you don't got to go out there and search for him. He's already inside of us. It is God inside of us. It's not anything else. And we can be as powerful and uh, as we want to be, man. So my whole life, my parents instilled um, faith in me and to walk forward in faith, uh, feed our faith, not our fear mentality. So I'd say forever, but for the last 10 years or so, I've really... Uh, stepped out of my box and really said bring it on higher power give me anything you want i'm i'm open to it yeah man that's pretty cool so you you obviously walk by faith when you um film these guys and they are elk hunting in september because i know you filmed a ton of elk hunts i hate having a cameraman just because i've never really met one that could really not interfere with what the experience I was trying to have. I mean, I don't hunt for a living. I hunt because it's who I am. And I've made so many sacrifices, Grady, to go elk hunting as much as I do that I don't want anything squandered. I want to enjoy that whole experience. But my point is, is what are some things that you have learned as the guy behind the lens to not interfere and make the hunt actually work better because you're there specifically elk hunting yeah you know if i can hunt if i know how to hunt anything it's elk i i I would never say that i am a professional killer or anything like that but elk are my passion in the lower 48 at least and you know uh one of the things i pride myself on is i'm not gonna do any fake cutaways i'm not gonna add anything in i want to capture the story as it happens and that's something i've prided myself as as a cinematography is as we go i'm getting my cutaways as we go 
we're doing it together as a team. So you, you know, you kind of hit it on the head is I have now come to a spot where I hope and usually what happens when I work with someone is they say, man, if you weren't here, we wouldn't have been able to do this or you, you helped me spot that or whatever. But one thing I, I have been talking about the last few days with the guys around here is when you get into someone else's world, if it's a guide or if it's a celebrity host or whatever it is, we do have to just zip our lip, work hard and have faith that it's going to be all right and trust the guy. But as we know, we don't learn jack from our successes. We learn from our failures. And so when I get to follow someone around and film them failing, 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 it just makes the success mean so much more. So I have learned that uh, I have to keep most of the time, especially when it comes to TV shows, keep my mouth shut, you know, unless I say, oh, critter to the right or whatever like that. But uh, I do have a few clients that when we hit the theater floor chasing the amazing elk that I am contributing. But one of the things that I have learned, and I think you know this, that if it's anybody's fault, it's the cameraman's. And it's always the cameraman's <laughs> fault. And so that, that's actually how I got these broad shoulders was uh, taking the grunt of all that. And so... It's all good. That's part of the fun. Um, but you're right. Uh, it is harder to film a hunt than it is to hunt. I was filmed uh, two years ago on a hunt, and I was already deep into my sleeping bag when I was having this 19-year-old kid putting away his cameras and stuff like that. And he said, dang, dude, this is this is a lot harder than just hunting. And, and that's, a, that's the truth, no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, I've heard Randy Newberg talk about all his camera guys behind the scenes stuff, and I haven't listened to any of his stuff in a while, but I always enjoy hearing the behind the scenes stuff. So give us a snapshot. Let's say you're filming me, and we're in the wilderness, or we're in the backcountry, we're hunting out of our backpacks. What does your day look like, and how much sleep do you not get? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, with anybody that knows and works with me, I don't let anybody use one word and that is tired. I literally do not let someone say that. They say that word around me. I will immediately say, you are not tired. It's like being broke. That is a mindset. You think you're tired. You think you're broke. Well, you've already lost. So uh, what does a day look like for me? I mean, most of the time with most of my clients, we're, uh, we're in that coffee right when we get up. And, and then it's getting the, the bag packed. You know, you got to have everything you, you know, you've got to be ready before your host or your hunter is ready. And so being able to sit there and be ready for your first shot in the morning. And then, yeah, you are the, usually the last person to go to bed. And uh, that's just part of the game. The cameraman is not it is not a glorified position. It is just a uh, most of the time the peon type position. And that's something that I've tried to change. I mean, in this industry of 90% hunt whitetails and turkeys it is just dudes finding a friend saying hey i got the tree arm let's go get in the tree and you're filming me today and uh out west it's a little different where uh you know this is what we do this is what i love to do so a day in the life uh you know it's it's uh 
you know, someone says your day rates, how much a day? And I said, bro, that's, I'm going 16 hours. You break that down. I'm down below the Seattle minimum wage, you know? So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's long days, you know, all, I'm, I'm not trying to any pity party, but it's a hundred, 150 days straight in the fall and, and, uh, owning all your own camera gear and being able to get stuff in hard drives off to people invoices out and, and packing day on day. And, and that's how it's done. Okay. So when you're done with a day of filming and I know you shoot Sony, we can talk about that in a second. Uh, how big a hard drive do you bring? You obviously have to bring some sort of laptop or something to dump the footage. How big are your memory cards? How do you kind of organize your files? You just like literally dump day one or do you get like cutaways? Do you like, how do you, Give me a little snapshot of that. Yeah, no worries. Uh, you know, you, you commented, do you need a laptop? Well, unless you have something like a NAR box, which we're using here, which lets you uh, download to a hard drive without a laptop. But, you know, uh, you bounced on a lot of different things there. Yeah, running a Sony camera with usually either a 64 gig or a 128 gig card, shooting 4K footage off those. Um, usually each day is being organized into a day and then into a camera. So almost all my uh, hunting, I'll be packing two cameras and I'll have cam one, cam two, and I'm going to downloads. Also, I will usually fill a card before I upload um, or download onto the computer unless something like a kill or a clip that I know I want to have go with that. I always have two hard drives because it's not if they go down, it's when they go down. And so you're downloading one, download to the other, and then at some point you can wipe a card. But for myself, I always have around 18 to 25 SD cards or 24 SD cards, and I'm not wiping those usually until the people have received their hard drive. I have a hard drive with me of all their footage. I mail one off. They get the drive. I'll keep my hard drive copy for a, a couple of years just in case they have a problem, and then I will wipe my SD cards. So it, it is a process. Uh, you know, you asked how much or how, you know, it all depends. But each gig that I shoot, uh, to use this more twice, but is usually around 400 to 500 gigs. And that's a, that's a five day shoot. Um, in the, in the heat of the season, I usually am doing five day shoots with two travel days, one on the front, one on the end. So it's seven whole days. And I'm usually right around that 500 gig mark or so for one of those. Oh my gosh. All right. And then just so people have an idea, in your New Zealand hunts where you're dropping an episode a day, are you getting close to four to five hundred gigs? I'm I'm sorry, I'm close to a hundred gigs a day and then trying to edit that in a few hours when you should be sleeping. Is that how that's working? Yeah, I mean pretty much you're exactly right. It just depends on the event. We're we're doing everything out here. Uh I just did my first behind wire hunt a few days ago, whereas last year I covered, I think, around 10 of them. I kind of, when I got here, JR covered the behind wire hunts and I covered the mountain hunts. Uh, New Zealand has uh, some terrain that you have to get used to and it's a little different not to bird walk, but you're right. We are coming in here each day with, I would re- 
probably around 100 to 200 gigs. We are then uh, downloading that onto a drive, breaking the footage down, what we call rough cutting, where we take the winners out of each clip. And then, yeah, we're building some sort of a story that night. And then, yeah, we, uh, JR and myself, and sometimes I hit the hay and he stays up or vice versa, but we go to bed around one or two, and then we're back up at five to cover the next hunt. Um, you know, it, sleep is not required, so you just got to push through and you drink more coffee. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. And then when it comes to switching from Canon to Sony, because you were kind of one of the first guys that I know that were really – just like, hey, I know I'm filming with DSLRs, and obviously you knew what you were doing. Um, you switched to the Sony. Be- is it because it's the mirrorless or it's just 4K or it's just next level? Like give some people a- like myself who's stuck in Canon world why you switched to Sony. Yeah, I mean, I still remember hanging out at your cabin. We were talking aperture and f-stop, and you had your Mark II, I think, and uh and I was stoked. I was talking to Dan State and the man about photography. And so at that time, I was. I was running two DSLR Canon full-frame cameras. And since then, I think I've had seven camera bodies or something like that. But, yeah, I've switched over to Sony. I mean, they have passed up Canon when it comes to the bodies big time. You kind of hit on, you know, is it 4K or is it the slow motion or is it uh, the ability to send it from the camera to your phone with raw to send it right to social media? It's all of it. I mean, in my world right now, Canon's dead and they need to wake up. So Sony has, uh, has pushed forward. So you're right. Two years ago, I switched over to Sony. I was still running all my Canon glass through a Metabones adapter. Last year, when I left New Zealand, I went home. I sold uh, pretty much all my gear. I sold about $7,500 of lenses and, uh, and such, and I bought about 13000 So I flipped it on the double, and I've gone <laughs> from there. Um, so it... It, it was a no-brainer for me. I mean, Sony is finally, or Canon finally coming out with some cameras that is uh, a few years old of Sony technology. So just I think the money behind the conglomerate that is Sony is hard to beat. But, yeah, there's, uh, you know, I'm shooting on an A7S II from Sony. It shoots 4K. It shoots super good low light with the mirrorless 120 frames, 1080 for the slow-mo, and uh, it, they are a powerhouse mirrorless camera. And, and I'm not in the market of packing around the red, and that's nothing I would want to do on my Western hunts anyways, but they are uh, they are the, the, the pick for what I do, no doubt about it. Yeah, so let's let's go back a little bit so a, a red camera is a high 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 end high frame high frame rate camera that probably super heavy you're talking about just a camera that looks like you would just take pictures with a pretty small body um and then you said it can do slow-mo what was the frame rate that you shoot most of your stuff in and what's the frame rate you can shoot your slow-mo in so obviously your frame rate based on 4k and then your frame rate based on slow-mo is what'd you say yeah 1080 yeah, I shoot all of my personal stuff in 23.976 or 24 frames. Uh, anytime we're shooting for television, they're want, usually wanting it in that 30 frames. 
But yeah, on these Sonys, you also have the ability to shoot 120 frame slow mo, wow. which doesn't doesn't fall under the super slow mo of a 240 or a 480 that you can get in some of these other larger cameras. But man, to have a camera that's the size of an old disposable and to have this kind of power, raw photography, and the you know the works, it's pretty incredible. Wow! So, 4K is here to stay maybe for a little while or is it going to be 6k next you know that's one of the uh you know the the things that i've hit on a lot of times is sad about like the outdoor world is you if you still have direct tv that a lot of times you can't even get the sportsman's channel in 1080 let alone 4k but uh you know 4k i think right now is kind of uh, where it's just settled for the normal consumer, but the the cameras are not going to stop. We're going to see new Sonys coming out uh, that are going to be shooting um, 5K, 6K, and then 4K slow-mo in-house, maybe 60 frames. I mean, that's already happening in stuff like the, uh, the GH5S from Panasonic and stuff like that. So to say what's going to stay and what's not, they're going to push the envelope even if uh, people cannot handle it. But, yeah, I think that being able right now to shoot and edit 4K uh, is kind of the place to be. And uh, for a lot of people, you know, going back to the school, I have a lot of people show up with laptops they just bought. And we're like, dude, you bought half a laptop. You didn't even buy a good enough laptop to edit 4K. And it's just about having knowledge. Knowledge is power and to know what gear to have and, and what isn't going to cut it so um yeah I, I don't know exactly what's coming but right now we are in the greatest time of for technology there's ever been and uh it, it's it's a fun time to do what we're doing that's cool well i'm gonna switch gears back to elk because that's what my brain works on out of all the places you've filmed elk hunting what are some of the places where you're just like good loud i want an elk tag here this place is ridiculous <laughs> Well, I want an LOP tag then, everybody listening, but the greatest hunts I've ever been on, um, sorry to say, have been on private land, uh, but uh, I was in the Missouri breaks of Montana a few years ago, and it was pandemonium for an hour and a half straight, surrounded by multiple 300-inch bulls screaming, and uh there is not a better feeling in the world. But to honestly, if someone asked me right now, where do I want to hunt? It would be an over-the-counter archery tag in eastern Oregon, diving into Hell's Canyon where I am guaranteed not to see another boot track. Um, that is my hunting style. If I drop into a hole and I see a boot track, I am turning around and pulling now I want to go in where I don't see another human and I see critters and it's straight up and down because in this day and age with uh, the Pacific Northwest and their predator control, we all know it. Elk are now in gnarlier spots than they've ever been and uh, you got to get up in that and go get them. So um, I have been lucky enough to hunt pretty much every state in the West. And uh, if, you know, I'm saying I'm hunting, even if it's with my camera and a guide would tell you the same thing. When a kill happens, we all killed. But Colorado's tough to beat with the numbers. Montana, tough to beat for the size and, and everything. But 
I, the reason I kind of touched on that private land, if I would say this, that there's a lot of haters out there on the private land situation. But guess what? On a lot of that private land, critters aren't being hounded by unethical hunters and uh, they're getting to have lives. And those are some safe havens. So um, I can't I can't hate on the people that have the funds to do things like that. So, uh, man, if I, I I I just love hunting elk. And I don't know if I answered your question, but the West is uh, is an amazing place. But I think we all need to be involved in what's going on with legislation and make sure we get our vote out at every chance we have. I love it, man. No, that's cool. And I think I'm notorious for just preaching to the blue collar, do it yourself, over the counter, brethren, sistren. But uh, I guess I've never really said it, made it clear that. I do not hate on people that have landowner tags. One of my best, best friends is in a position where he can get himself a landowner tag year after year, and it's just a part of his hunting budget, and it's probably a same percentage is wise. He just makes way more money than me, so it's probably still the same percentage of his income. It's just that's where he's at. That's where I'm at, and uh, and then you know if you hire a guide and all that kind of stuff, it's cool. I've always just said, hey, for me, in my style, I really want to be on my own, and I really want to be on some public land. It's very challenging and competitive, and it's what I can afford where I'm at. And I think that everyone should understand what you're saying pretty clearly, and uh, it's good. So we can wrap this thing up, Grady. Let's talk a little. Let's do a little shit talking. What is wrong? <laughs> Wrapping up. Shoot, I was just getting warmed up. This must just be part part one of six. We can do part one of six for sure, but I can hear my kids woke up, and that means yep. that Avery, my daughter, is going to bombard my office downstairs. I have the light off. I'm, like, hiding out trying to do this. But um, what in the world is wrong with the social media scene? You kind of touched on it, but let's just go over a couple of bullet points so people listening know don't do these things on social media. Don't be insecure, and don't do these three things. What are those? Holy cow. Here you yeah, go. You're lighting the fire and you're trying to hang me over it, brother. I can feel that. But, you know, one of the things that I despise is the lack of storytelling. Um, when we get out in the woods, I think that when I come back online and I see someone posting about numbers, man, anytime that I see a number in someone's post, it automatically calls bullshit. And so when it's how many ticks you pulled off you, how many pounds are in your pack, how many miles you went, how big your bowl is, how many push-ups you can do, someone starts throwing out numbers, I am moving on. Another thing I think that I have a hard time with is all these dudes always saying what they're going to do. I get so tired of that. Oh, big things coming. Can't wait to tell you about the partnership. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like, you know, don't tell me what you're going to do. Go do something. That's, uh, you know, that's another one. And uh, let me see. What would number three be? Stop vlogging. I don't care. That's stupid. Turn the camera around and show us what's going on. I do not want to see your face for 30 minutes straight. I don't care. And uh, stop missing sunrises. Get your ass out of the tent. Oh, bam. Shots fired. Shots fired. I love it, Grady. Man, you're so raw and honest and um, just 
yeah, you're real, you're authentic, and you're genuine, and you're good people, man. So I know you sacrificed sleep to come on today, and I know that we could go forever on this, but got stuff to do. I got to go coach a couple fitness classes and uh, make breakfast for some kids and, uh, you know, be, yeah. be a warrior. You are an inspiration, man. I, I, uh, I spent a couple of camps with you and you are, I can literally honestly say this. You are one of my favorite people I've ever met. You're real. Uh, you're a killer. I appreciate that. And, uh, and you're not into, how it's done and and all this you just get out in it and uh you know you if i if i wanted to say anything that out of what you just said is in the last couple of years i just really looked myself in the mirror and said you know what i'm gonna be honest all the time what someone wants to know i'm just and and it, when we're honest it's easy we don't have to we don't have to fake it. We don't have to remember things. When there's lies involved, we have to start remembering our lies. If we just live life and we're honest and we're true, we don't have to do any of that. It's just one handshake onto another. And, uh, you know, one more thing on social media. I've never had a social media like pay my bills one time. Everything that's ever paid my bills was from a handshake and a relationship that's built over time. And that's what life about it's about the relationships and memories so uh you know when you i think that's one thing that i really try to do is live in the present don't look back don't look forward just sit in the present it's called a present because it's a gift (laughs) and uh we just need to to hang out in that because we're just lucky to be here amen yes Amen to that. So the truth is always enough. I like what you're saying. Grady, um, when you get back to the States, let's record episode two and let's get uh, everybody dialed in on your, your project. And good luck with the rest of it, man. I know, I know at some point you need to get some sleep, but uh, I know how you're wired as well. So your work ethic is inspirational to me. And um, man, God bless you and keep up the great work, Grady. Thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate you bringing me on. We will talk soon. Just one plug. It is uh, Paper Street Enterprise on YouTube. We're dropping a video a day. And then the second plug being the next film school is in Colorado, July 18th through the 22nd. And uh, I will be back in the States the second week of June, and we will hit the ground running. So I appreciate it, Dan, and I look forward to talking soon. All right, man. Good luck the rest of your hunt. Take care. All right. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, thanks for listening. That was definitely one of my favorite podcasts. Grady is the real deal. Man, how honest and authentic can you be? That is rare these days. That was a gem. That was gold. I will provide links to Grady's YouTube channel so you can check in on his New Zealand and all those videos that they are dropping as well as a link to his film school and his social so you can keep and follow, track that guy. I've met a lot of people in the hunting industry. He's definitely one of my favorite. I hope that you appreciate some of the leadership, some of the business stuff, the faith stuff, and we talk about blue-collar elk hunting. This is the stuff that makes me excited to be alive, and I hope that your passion matches mine. Also, if you guys are interested in getting your ass in shape for elk hunting season on the elkshape.com website, go to the store, look at 21 Days to Elk Shape. It's only a three-week program. 
Just remember, almost any workout out there, I can definitely do. Can you do my workout? I want to challenge people to take it on. It involves your body weight, a backpack, and your bow. So if you're a bow hunter for elk especially, this is written with a ton of specificity, as well as interval training, long, slow distance, hiking, as well as some sandbag. I'll show you how to load the sandbag in your backpack, and I'll show you how to get after it. And you know... I've been in the fitness industry since 2001. That's a long time, and I just want you guys to know I feel like this is well-written, and it's definitely going to help you execute and get ready or at least jump out of your plateau. And then after the 21 days, you can go find something else to do. Always check out elkshape.com. I post what I do for workouts for free, and then I also have a transformation diet up there for the, those that need to lose a lot of weight. It's a very aggressive program. You can check out my ebook called Train to Hunt, and then you can always pick up swag if you're into supporting the podcast. Man, I thank you guys for your reviews and all that jazz. This is not the fanciest podcast out there. That's not what I'm about. It's raw, and it's authentic, and that's what we're about. Thanks for listening. Now go make it happen for yourself.